Hello and welcome to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Podcast Network. I'm your host, James Intercastle. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. But if you've been here before, do me a favor, go give us a baller rating on iTunes because it helps us a bunch. In fact, we're going to start doing some shout-outs to listeners who give us a great rating on the air. I'll read a new five-star rating verbatim each episode and credit the person who left it. Make me say anything you want, although keep it clean, people. This is a family D&D news podcast. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Just go to thetomeshow.com, click on the links in the show notes for this episode or any other episode, and then shop as you normally would. Today, we are talking about the latest Unearthed Arcana article, Light, Dark, and Underdark. Let's meet our two-person panel and kick things off with our get-to-know-you question. Would you rather have 120 feet of dark vision or 5 feet of blind sight? With me today, the Brothers Basso. Rudy Basso, which would you rather have? Ah, uh, so, blind sight's so neat, but 120 feet, that's so many feet! That is. Like, I, I can't say no to <laughs> that kind of distance. I mean... You know what's coming a ways away, so you can just, you know, run and hide and not have to engage if that if that were to happen to you, if you were in a dangerous situation. So that's my choice, the dark vision. Yeah, especially compared to that smaller radius of just five feet, you know? Yeah. You, you got to get pretty close to whoever the invisible guy is to know. Yeah, yeah, coming home yeah. in the middle of the night, you know, you come in, you can see everything, you know? You, yeah, that's what I prefer. Gotcha, gotcha. And of course, Alex Basso is also with us today. Alex Basso, would you rather have 120 feet of dark vision or 5 feet of blind sight? Uh, I'm going with the dark vision. I was just thinking, I'd save a lot of money on uh, electricity. I never have to turn on the lights again. And uh, never have to buy a light bulb again. Sure, it'd only be black and white, but, you know, I'm cheap, so I'll, I'll deal with it. Well, I think that's very appropriate because we're obviously talking about this new Unearthed Arcana supplement, Light, Dark, and Underdark today. Um, I do want to say that our panel is a little light. Uh, we had a lot of last-minute cancellations. Rudy and Alex were kind enough to step up just this morning to say that they wanted to talk about this. You guys are some of the greatest roundtable panelists ever. So I'm very excited to have you on the show. Uh, we will resume our normal format. Uh, we're going to kick it off with the fighting styles. There are two different fighting styles, Close Quarter Shooter and Tunnel Fighter, that made their appearance here. Um, and these obviously could be applied to fighters, paladins, rangers, anybody who gets to pick a fighting style could pick one of these. Close Quarter Shooter gives you a little bit of a boost with ranged attack rolls uh, within 30 feet. You can ignore cover up to three quarters. You don't suffer disadvantage when you're attacking an adjacent creature. And you have a plus one bonus to all ranged attack rolls. And then Tunnel Fighter is pretty nuts. Uh, as a bonus action, you enter this stance. While you're in this stance, you can make opportunity attacks without using your reaction. So that means you get as many as you'd like. And you can use your reaction to make a melee attack against a creature that moves within uh, your reach more than five feet. Pretty cool ability. Uh, some might say these are a little overpowered. One of those people would be Rudy Basso. Rudy Basso, talk to me a little bit about these fighting styles. Uh, they're great. They are fantastic. Wow. Um, 
So close quarter shooter, I personally think it's cool because that means you are true like Legolas. I mean, I know he had knives or whatever, but you know, you're point blank shooting guys. You can stab them with an arrow or whatever. Maybe not that, but um, it, it means you never have to worry about a melee weapon again. And maybe that doesn't mean something to you. Maybe that does mean something to you, your character. You no longer have to worry about finding another awesome, you know, rapier or whatever. You just I'm I'm focused on the bow. That's my thing. There's a lot of cool elements you can do with your character, like he's one with the bow or something like that. But in addition to that already very powerful ability, you get a plus one bonus. Like, and I I know Alex wanted to touch more on this, but that's great. And the cover thing's okay. It's not that important, but that's incredible. But the the tunnel fighter is insane, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> my character is a polearm fighter with polearm mastery. And the way polearm mastery works, if you're not familiar, is uh, anyone that goes within your reach, which is two squares, 10 feet, is automatically prone to an opportunity attack. So if you're in this defensive stance and you're in, and you have polearm master, you can make as many opportunity attacks as people that are within 10 squares of you. And if you are in a corridor or a tight space, that means everybody. Everybody that runs up to you gets a stab. And if they get real close, you get another attack with your reaction. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is ridiculous when coupled with that feat. Uh, yeah. I totally 100% agree with everything you are saying. Alex Basso, what do you think of these fighting styles? Yeah, I mean, I also think they're they're very good. I'm not as crazy as clo- uh, about close quarter shooter. Uh, I am playing a ranged fighter right now, and I frequently switch to my my melee weapon, and I don't think it's that big of a disadvantage. Um, I'd say the kind of the two thing if your DM uses a lot of cover, then it'll be fantastic. Uh, the other thing is if you're a fighter and you go the uh, champion path and you get an extra fighting style at level ten, if you stack close quarter shooter with the archery. Uh, fighting style to get a plus three bonus and get go as a ranged uh, range combatant. That's ridiculous. Like plus two makes a huge difference already. Plus three, like uh, that's that's a crazy crazy amount. That's probably the number one situation I'd go for that fighting style in. Tunnel fighter is just uh, you know to have such control of space for for a style. I don't think there's really much besides polearm master. There's really you know not that much in this game that lets you control an area. So to really just be a wall for your party with Tunnel Fighter just makes it such a unique ability that is extremely useful. Like, it's perfect. Like, in a tunnel or in a doorway, if you just stand in front as a fighter and, you know, use your bonus action every turn for that, like, no one's getting by you. So that's really fantastic. Uh, Perhaps too good. It seems like it would fit better in 4th edition, which, you know, by default, uh, a lot of defenders really had already. All right, so I think we're all in agreement then about these fighting styles. They are really, really ridiculously good. Uh, let's move on to one of the people who uses these fighting styles, the Ranger. We have a new Ranger archetype, the Deep Stalker. Looks like it's meant to be used with the old Ranger uh, in the player's handbook, not the Unearthed Arcana Ranger that they revealed, um, I guess, about two months ago. There's the Underdark Scout and Deep Magic Stalker. It's got all the spells, Iron Mind, uh, Stalkers, Flurry, 
and Stalker's Dodge. Uh, what did you guys think about these various Deep Stalker Underdark Ranger abilities? I thought the first that thinking of an Underdark Ranger was uh, kind of cool. It was like, oh, okay. What would a ranger of the Underdark be like, um, you know, and, and trying to think of something other than Drizzt? Alex Basso, let's start with you. You are Ranger Man Extraordinaire. I was Ranger Man Extraordinaire. <laughs> I much now. Um, I really like this this path, uh, especially if you compare them to the two core, core fasts. Like, this far and away is, to me, the best they've had. Um, I really like its emphasis on, you know, using, I think it's a Deep Star mentions an underdark scout you know a ranger will duck out of the normal dark vision range to go back into hiding so i really like its emphasis on you know using the darkness to your advantage um and the actual gaining dark vision uh at level three is also awesome overall like the the abilities i think are just super solid there's no real ability that's kind of you know uninteresting they're all very you know they all add up and, and add value um uh there's no real kind of iconic ability here that maybe it seems like you kind of build around everything just kind of contributes to make this great whole of an archetype you know it's really strong overall it does kind of seem to borrow you know it makes it a lot more roguish of a character <laughs> it really does it really does um and the spells themselves they're not i mean they're, they're useful they're more utility spells so i mean i love you that they get rope trick i love that spell in general mm -hmm. um so it overall it just seems like it builds to a great whole archetype yeah, and what I was surprised about, and this goes for the entire document kind of, is that while these are uh, pitched kind of as like, they're great for the Underdark, these are kind of great for everything. <laughs> uh, everything that's in here, they did a good job of not limiting it to Underdark only, right? Um, which I think is, is the kind of thing you would see in like third edition. There were a lot of really, really specialized things that were great if you were playing an Underdark campaign and then terrible if you were anywhere else. And these are, you know, these are still abilities that can be pretty great in an open field full of trees or that kind of thing. Um, you know, they're not as great, but they're still good. And I have to agree with you, Alex. This is my favorite Ranger archetype that I have seen so far. Uh, Rudy, what did you? you think about the deep stalker i like it a lot too i uh it's a bit of depressing the the flavor text <laughs> they usually die because they're off rom by themselves or go crazy or whatever that's not too uh it's not too upbeat but uh, i like it a lot too uh, like alex said it makes a whole character it, it, you know it kind of reminds me of the 4e avenger the kind of hit hit and hide hit and hide and it, it, it just makes an interesting alternate uh, kind of fighter class who can do different things than a lot of the other fighters and is still very useful in a, in a combat. So I like it a lot too. And I will also agree with you guys that I much prefer it to the core, yeah. um, the core book types, yeah. although I like those new ones too. So I think the core book Ranger will always be there. You know, I think mm -hmm. that's always going to be an option. So it'll be interesting to see as they continue to work on archetypes like these, will they be worked into the old build of the Ranger or the new build of the Ranger if they figure out what the new build's going to be and if they ever, you know, like, it's it's very interesting. It must be an interesting conversation about the Ranger happening in Wizards of the Coast headquarters right now. Mm -hmm. 
why don't we talk just a little bit now about the new sorceress origin of Shadow? Um, so this is uh, again, you know, we're we're in the darkness. We're we're talking about shadow walking and shadow forms, and uh, you get a hound of ill omen that you can call forth from the darkness, which is you know all of that is really cool. Strength of the grave. Uh, this takes on not just a underdark feel, but like a dark death kind of feel to it. And what's really interesting is that there are these quirks that happen for the shadow sorcerer. Um, so, you know, you can, you get to roll on a table or choose on a table, a unique quirk for your character that is very flavorful. Uh, for instance, you're always icy to the touch. Or when you're asleep, you don't appear to breathe, uh, though you must still breathe to survive. Like, all this stuff that makes you appear quite dead. Uh, my favorite is the last one, which is you blinked once last week, uh, which is amazing. Rudy Basso, what did you think of the Shadow Sorceress origin? I, this is my least favorite of the three. Okay. I think it's uh, it's still good, and the, uh, the ability to... I love the flavor of it. it it's so neat to, like, be this... Pretty much, you're a dead person, essentially, but mm-hmm. you're still walking... Yeah, like it says, your you're, you're light is grown dim um <laughs> strength of the grave is pretty great it's uh you know you get up if you get knocked down uh you just get like a, chumba same, Wumba. yeah exactly it, it's similar to like uh the half work um but you have to save but that's still great from level one that's a cool thing to have the hound i'm not as crazy about uh i'm a little confused too with the wording it says in the beginning you call it forth to harass your foes plural mm-hmm. but then it emphasizes that he will dismiss if its target is reduced to zero. So this is a nitpicky thing, but does it mean you can only use it against one enemy or does it mean you can use it against multiple targets? Uh, I don't mm. know. Do you guys have any insight in that? What do you think? Uh, it seems like it's just one, but just one. Yeah. I guess the idea is that over, over the course of a campaign, your hound multiple will face foes. many foes. <laughs> okay. I- is there a restriction actually? Maybe could you summon more than one at once? I feel like I didn't see something uh, saying can't. Yeah, no, I guess you could. You would just have to keep dropping sorcery points. Yeah, yeah, it's you're restricted by your sorcery points, but hey, Houndmaster. Class. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Shadow Hound. Uh, yeah, I like Shadow Walk, but I, I don't think you know you shouldn't have to worry about teleporting away from stuff if you're hiding in the back casting magic spells at dudes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Shadow Form seems really neat. Yeah, yeah, so Shadow Form, right? It's a great 18th, like, it feels like an 18th level ability. So, you know, we were talking about the the Witch Hunter last time I was on, and I felt some of those felt weaker, but I feel like this is a great level 18 ability. Sure, yeah, you enter a form by spending a few sorcery points where you have resistance to all damage except force. Uh, you know, and you can move through other creatures and objects. It's it's pretty awesome. You become like Peter Pan's shadow running around, which is, uh, I think, pretty cool. It's quite uh, the reference. It's quite the reference. I got a crow, guys. <laughs> okay, Alex Basso, what did you think of the shadow sorceress origin? Sorry. <laughs> well, you weren't expecting me to crow. I was laughing so hard. You didn't hear me, Alex? No, I was laughing a lot too. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a, 
I like this one a lot. Uh, it really does a great job. <laughs> I mean, the quirks to start it off are really, really cool. Um, I like them a lot, especially compared to the what we'll see later with the next dark type. Uh, they're just really creepy and just like you know, they they set this choice so well. Um, and it does. It also just the the mechanics really make it seem. You know, this this is a very defensive um, archetype between you know having ways to not die, uh, teleporting long distance up to 120 feet, and the shadow form itself, which just effectively doubles your health besides force, uh, is very very strong. I love the hound, Rudy. I I don't know why you don't like it so much. It's really really awesome. I think to summon a hound that'll constantly mess up your target along with the advantage. One just being an extra body that'll be in something's face, and whenever it's within five feet, your target gets disadvantage on all of your spells. That's a really powerful ability. So, overall, I mean, I'm also not too crazy about the core rule books, sorcery ones. Uh, the dragon, I don't really like dragons, uh, unless I'm killing them. <laughs> and uh, wild magic's fun, but also, at the same time, can be not fun. So, this is a really cool one. I, I'm, I'm a big fan. I feel like I don't really like dragons unless I'm killing them is the yeah. most Alex Basso thing. that It's why I hate said. Dragonborn and why I'm so sick of always having a Dragonborn in my party. Thanks, Ray. <laughs> he didn't start out that way. He got reincarnated. Yeah, well, as soon as they showed up in the books, though, next thing I know, he's reincarnated as a Dragonborn. <laughs> I just hate him because I think they look weird. <laughs> so I'm just a racist. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, yeah, you know, what's interesting about the Hound is I hadn't thought about summoning multiple, but you're totally right. It looks like yeah, there's no restriction that. Yeah, you mention that, that, that kind of brings me around on it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. plus, I mean, having a puppy, you guys. Who doesn't want to have a puppy in-game? Yeah, you know, and you're uh, you're uh, you're probably better than a Beastmaster Ranger. I don't know. I'd have to think <laughs> about it. But uh, you're comparable. <laughs> At least comparable to a Beastmaster Ranger. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, actually, the way you, uh, when you bring that up, it really does seem like the best animal companion ability uh, available uh, currently, which is pretty cool and pretty sad when you think about the Ranger. Let's move on to the Warlock patron, the Undying Light. Um, you know, I love Warlocks. I think they, they, you know, you have built-in story with every Warlock, which is really, really cool. You already have this built-in relationship with a patron. Uh, what's cool about this is your patron isn't actually a specific person or entity, but it's the energy that radiates from a positive plane. So here we're doing all this talk about darkness and dark and, and that kind of thing. But remember, the title is Light dark and underdark. So this is a warlock patron of radiance um, and the the p positive plane, uh, which is uh, crazy. You're driven to bring light to dark places and annihilate undead and protect all living things. Like This is a warlock very different from other warlocks we have seen before. So what did you guys think about the undying light? Uh, you know, you've got all these very interesting abilities related to, some related to death uh and returning uh you know some related to healing a warlock who heals people i know we've seen a little bit of that actually in uh the sword coast adventurers guide that recently came out talk to me a little bit about the undying light alex basso what did you think uh i mean first off you know i just to me it's just so weird <laughs> uh, this is not a warlock it's so different 
So I, I don't like it, and I would never play it, even if they continue to give it some of the greatest abilities ever. Um, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to talk. Uh, it's, it's so not Warlock to me, but I, I do like that they are kind of continuing the theme in the core rulebook where they, they have the Fey Warlock, which is also... Like, ah, uh, warlocks are about shadow into darkness. That's that's my Warcraft view on it. So, <laughs> uh, not not too crazy about the lore for it. Uh, also, the flaws, uh, when compared to the awesome shadow ones, they're all just like, oh, you need a lamp near you. It's really not that neat, not that cool. <laughs> so, those are those are disappointing. Uh, uh, the abilities itself for this class are, v- they seem very strong. <laughs> Specifically, I will point out Searing Vengeance, level 6, uh, choose to ig- not, to automatically basically succeed on a death saving throw, spring back to life with half your health, and do 10 plus your charisma modifier radiant damage, and blind everybody within any hostile creature within 30 feet, with no save available. This ability is crazy. <laughs> yeah, you turn yourself into uh, an amazing radiant fireball, essentially. Yeah, it's, uh, it's so good. I mean, it, it's something where I will go out of my way to die as this character, just so I can utilize that every turn. Right. Or every, every rest. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's no save. It's 30 feet, and it is all hostile creatures, you know, let's say 13 to 15 damage is not insignificant. At level, if you're starting at level 6, yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah and exactly. Blinds. And it blinds! Exactly! Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's blind for a turn, and it's only the hostile creatures. Like, if it was... If it harmed non-hostile creatures, it would be extremely interesting, because it was like, oh, do I want to use this? I'm going to blind this guy and deal some damage. But this is just... Uh, a, a very, very powerful for a sixth level ability, but you do have to die to make it happen. Yeah, I, that is the balancer. But like I said, you know, it's so good that it might be worth it to die. Right, um, right. And of course, when we say die, we actually say go down. Yeah, uh, you don't yeah, have not to down. die. Down. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, don't want to die. Yeah. Not, not that's not good. Yeah. Uh, so very strong ability. Uh, also, to go along with it, some really awesome support abilities. A Radiant Resilience, give everybody in your party uh, temp hit points. It's just like that, that one feat where you can give a rousing speech. Mm-hmm. So that's useful. And Healing Light is basically a slightly weaker version of Lay on Hands. It's just, I mean, this is some great support abilities. The one thing I say that is kind of disappointing is the spell list, mm. which they get half the amount of spells as the other packs do. Three of the five spells are the exact ones you get from uh, the Fiendish pack. So that's kind of disappointing how... You know, I mean, it is following the theme of fire and light and stuff, but uh, the list itself isn't really that, that cool. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought you might see some other things like Searing Light, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't I don't know why they decided to go with just one spell per level. Maybe, maybe to balance it out? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, to balance the OP Searing Vengeance power. <laughs> uh, Rudy, what about you? Uh, what did you think of the Undying Light patron? I love this class. It completely turns the warlock on its head. The whole concept is backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it. I think it's so neat. I don't like the flaws. I think they're very silly. But um, <laughs> everything else about it, and I know, Alex, you just went on this whole rant about how it's OP. And yes, I agree with you. But just the concept is, I think, 
based just on this draft from this Unearthed Arcana, this might be one of my favorite classes that I've ever seen. I love that it's a supportive warlock. That's such a neat con- Ugh. I just I, I am crazy about this class, and if we were to reroll tomorrow, I would absolutely choose this with James's uh, permission. Uh, I would be willing to find a way to modify saying vengeance. Just make it something like it would make an awesome 18th level ability, <laughs> to be quite yes. honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, I would let you play it as written to to see how it plays. Um, you know, before before we, st- I don't want to nerf anything until I see it in action. Sure. You know. Yeah. Um, so, and I also know that you would probably come to me and be like, this is OP. Uh, what can we do? <laughs> I mean, it's like jump off the page OP. Like, I got to reread that. Is that, is that how it's really? Re- okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, guys, since there's only a few of you, I want to go one more question with everybody, which is we've seen a lot of unearthed arcana material. Uh, some of it made appearances in the Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide but not a ton. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen with this? There's been hinting that they might put out an unearthed arcana book at some point, um, you know, which was a book back from, you know, happening way back in the old days. Um, and they released one in third edition and, and that kind of thing uh, that had a lot of new player options in it. Uh, since this is one to rule them all, do you think that's a possibility? Do you think it's other source books we're going to see? Uh, Rudy? What do you think? I have a question about Sword Coast Guide. Is there a whole lot on the Underdark in Forgotten Realms specifically? Uh, there is actually a whole lot on uh, – there's a whole chapter that is just Underdark in Forgotten Realms and the Sword Coast. Um, I mean you read this and you think that there must be some sort of Underdark expansion book in the works. I mean this is a whole lot of stuff that is very specifically themed. Mm-hmm that feels like it would only fit in some sort of additional book. And we know that in Forgotten Realms, the Underdark is a very powerful presence. It has a big impact on the world often. So I would not be surprised if there's some sort of like attempted invasion or I don't know, some, some, something that some world shattering event that warrants another book, maybe a, maybe a quest book, but it might be another guidebook like Sword Coast guide so that's that's what i would wager at this point but you never know i mean it'd be great if they just were like here's some free classes guys releasing it for free we didn't unearth arcana we got feedback and we're giving it out for free now that'd be nice that would be really crazy if they gave it out for free or if they released some sort of you know purchasable pdf or tablet edition i love a pdf that'll never happen (laughs) <laughs> Alex, what do you think they're going to do with all of this stuff? I mean, I think they'll just continue to, you know, throw up ideas they have onto it and then, you know, fit them into books as they fit the theme. So, yeah, when they do an Underdark book, they'll probably release this. But I can't imagine, like, one just catch all unearthed Arcana book that just throws in everything. Because it's all, you know, some of the stuff's all over the place. Right? Like, the Psionics, that was an unearthed Arcana, right? Right. right. Am I crazy? Yeah, I am. Okay, yeah, Unearthed Arcana is just like their general catch-all name, right? It is. It is. Uh, yeah. So, it, it just, it seems like it's too, unless, you know, maybe when 5th edition's dying, they'll just throw everything again. Or 5th edition's, you know, ending. Maybe they'll throw everything that hasn't been released in a book yet into Unearthed Arcana. Uh, it just seems like they'll, they'll test their ideas here. Mm-hmm. Of what they like, they'll put into, you know, whatever theme they fit in. 
uh, whatever book they plan on doing. Yeah, and it's great. I mean, it's great in general. Just there's something to, you know, it's so much free content. It it makes me think of Dragon Magazine, uh, fourth edition. Oh, uh, just true. because a lot of this stuff is really, it seems really powerful. Um, <laughs> which Dragon Magazine? Yeah. Oh my god, all the fourth edition <laughs> abilities I got from those. <laughs> Whoa! So, didn't see this one before because it was in a, yeah. a magazine, but I'm taking it. <laughs> or just the sword the sword mage itself was an awesome class from from the magazine yeah yeah i mean uh i'd love to see more books come out and i'd love like rudy said i'd love to see an underdark book came out uh, come out they just put out a huge underdark adventure path um you know that sword coast adventurers guide is supposed to go with but it would be cool if they put out like a specific underdark book or an eberron book we saw some eberron stuff come out so i have a feeling uh all is quiet right now from wizards i have a feeling we're gonna hear another big announcement soon since um, all of their printed products that they had planned uh, have gone out. Sword Coast Legends is out now, um, which uh, I'm sure we will hear you guys talk about on the D&D V&G podcast. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I will be interested to see what they do with this stuff. And I want to know... What is the next thing coming from you, Wizards of the Coast? What are you bringing me uh, from the magical D&D laboratory that you've got going on in there? Guys, I think that is going to do it for this week's roundtable. Before we go, I want to remind people that we would love to hear from you what you thought about this Unearthed Arcana article. Light, dark, underdark! Exclamation point. Um... Hit us up over in the show notes for this episode at thetomeshow.com or at facebook.com slash thetomeshow. Let us know what you think. Rudy, where can people find you? Hey, you can follow me on Twitter at Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. As you mentioned, Alex and I have our own podcast on this very Tome Show network called D&D-V-N-G, where we take a look at some of Dungeons & Dragons' Uh, video games. Uh, like you said, also we're we're gonna play Sword Coast Legends. Or we played it. We're gonna talk about it. Um, just gonna spoil it for everyone. Don't buy it. Thumbs down. Uh, <laughs> just that's how I feel. Um, gotcha. And then Alex, you know, you and I have a YouTube channel called Game O'Clock. We uh, take a look at some games you may have heard of, some games you may not have heard of. We kind of go over the mechanics. We we give a recommendation. Based on what we think, uh, it's got full video. It's got amazing commentary. So if you would be so kind to subscribe, we would really, really appreciate it. And James, I would, I will say, be willing to do a I'll, – I'll do a dramatic reading of a review, a five-star review. So if that sounds appealing to anyone to have me put on my full Shakespeare accent – I am a trained actor and, – uh, and do that, then I'd be happy to – Yes, Rudy is one of the best. So he will definitely give you an amazing interpretation, uh, which I look forward to. Um, so write them. We're going to read them verbatim, guys. Make us say whatever you want, uh, but you have to keep it clean. I won't read anything that uh, isn't family friendly, uh, but you can keep it weird because we love weird things here. Um, so, Rudy, I look forward to that. Alex Basso, where can people find you in addition to D&D, V&G, and the Game O'Clock YouTube channel? Uh, yeah, you can maybe find me on Twitter. I mean, I have a Twitter. 
It's yo <laughs> underscore Alex Basso. Can't say I use it all that much. <laughs> uh, well, if you start tweeting and following Alex Basso, uh, perhaps he will use it more often. You can follow me at James Intracasso on Twitter. That's at J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. Uh, or you can check out my blog, which is all about Exploration Age, the 5th edition world I am building over at worldbuilderblog.me. Okay, everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks to Rudy and Alex. Special thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup, and to Sam Dillon for getting this podcast out there on the airwaves. Our theme music, which you're listening to right now, was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to go to thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. Hey, if you like the show, go rate the Tome Show on iTunes, like us on Facebook. Remember, that rating gets you a verbatim reading. Keep on rolling and keep on listening to the roundtable.